0: Welcome to CEO and Founder Magic, the podcast for entrepreneurs with stories to tell about your success. I'm Sheila Clefcorn, professional fractional CMO for B2B companies and host of the podcast. I'm deeply committed to transforming the world through technology, one company at a time. So stick with me until the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest with just 15 to 20 minutes of your time. I'm glad you're here. Hello, and welcome back to the CEO and Founder Magic podcast. I'm excited today to have Steve Lindsay with me from LVT. Steve, tell us a little bit about you and LVT.
1: Yeah, so I am Steve Lindsay, Chief Technology Officer and co-founder of LVT. Um, LVT is a is a security technology company that provides life safety and security solutions for usually the outdoor uh, area. Um, So there's, when you think about security and technology, a lot of people think about cameras and sensors inside of buildings. Um, What we specialize are the outdoors where there's not as much infrastructure to do so. So you would typically deploy a, a security guard in those situations. We feel that A lot of scenarios can have technology fill that void so that we can put security guards in areas where they're actually needed. Um, You know, security guards are kind of hard to come by. I mean, no one really wakes up in the morning to be a security guard. So if we can deploy technology to offset um, the lack of security guard resources that we have, uh, that's a win. And then also, when you think about life safety, um, yeah, probably you know, a win wh-
0: based on just consistent coverage, a- as well as yeah. cost, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's cheaper to deploy technology. Obviously, technology doesn't go to sleep um, at night. Um, but also, there's life safety situations where you just don't want to put a human in harm's way, um, and technology can can fill that void. So. Yeah, we, we find ourselves, uh, you know, really being relevant in, in all kinds of markets and industries because everyone has a life safety and security problem, especially nowadays, we seem to have a lot more social unrest. We seem to have um, a lot more, um, uh, I guess, helplessness tends to lead towards these types of desperation. Um, and so, um, yeah, it, it's just it, the, the world needs this type of solution and we're just happy to be able to provide it.
0: That's exciting. Um, so you said virtually any kind of industry, but what are some of the biggest industries that you provide this for?
1: Yeah. So right now, the retail industry, uh, surprisingly, is one of our largest industries. Um, so when you think about big box retail or you think about these uh, these um, retail shops that have a lot of locations in urban areas, as well as, you know, um, uh, inner city areas and such, Um they're a very large uh, customer set for us. Um, we also do a lot of business and critical infrastructure. Uh, if you can imagine a lot of solar farms, power substations, uh, a lot of our communications infrastructure is vulnerable, um, and we've been deployed a lot on those. So we're talking cell towers, uh, fiber connectivity, you know, those types of scenarios. We do a lot with transportation. Um, we've kind of bucketed that as not just uh, roads and highways in the public sector, but private entities like transportation of goods. Um, we see a lot of rel- relevance in like car rental agencies and managing their their lots of cars. Um, so there's just a lot of um, areas within transportation that are kind of, uh, you wouldn't think traditional transportation in that sector. Um, so yeah, those are kind of our biggest markets right now that we fill, which are a lot of them.
0: Really important, and where we can leverage technology—that's great. But tell me a little bit about your journey being a founder of LBT, kind of what you've learned across that journey that might be helpful to other CEOs and founders.
1: Yeah, we we kind of took a a different approach. When you think about technology companies, um, there's there was kind of this this underlying understanding that you take seed money, right, and you. You build your product, and then you take a Series A and a Series B, and you're always just running at a loss as a business, but you're you're trying to land grab customers. Um, our approach was different. We 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 decided that we actually wanted to be profitable from day one and kind of own our own destiny and not be des not be um, reliant, let's say, on on investment money. So we our first fifteen years of our journey were just good old fashioned. Grit and guts and hard work, determination, and living yeah, as it. lean That's how as I possible. Built
0: our company too, yeah. it, it, it takes longer <laughs> and, it, and it's hard, yeah. but it can be more fruitful o- over the long term.
1: Yeah, and I think it also we we had the unique advantage of of really finding that product market fit that allowed us to reach those exponential growth scales that you like to see as a technology company, um, and so you know, our company actually started off just building or or deploying live cameras outdoors for watching homes get built. So it's just a surveillance type of a tool. And we thought it would be beneficial for uh, more of a mortgage service, right? Mm -hmm. So, hey, we'll provide a construction loan or a mortgage service to you, but we'll also, you know, to, to attract you to us versus everyone else who does that, we'll put a live camera out there and you can watch your house get built. But once we started deploying a couple of these it wasn't the homeowner who really wanted the cameras it was the home builder who wanted the cameras because yeah. they could project They've manage got equipment
0: that's getting stolen yeah. got people camping out all kinds of stuff yeah. my father yeah. was it's, in construction for 30 years yeah.
1: so <laughs> Yeah and so we we built the business there but unfortunately we built our business during the during the housing boom of 2005 and 6 And when we started seeing all of the market indicators showing that that construction market was going to pretty much die during the recession, we tried to pivot as fast as we could to find other applications of this. And and up to that point, you know, we had solved some problems when it came to how do you power these units outdoors and how do you get communications to these units? Um, Because again, you don't have an outlet you can plug it into and you don't have a broadband connection. That enabled us to start pivoting our business into, um, Uh, state department of transportation. So their maintenance crews would need uh, cameras on roadsides to look for if they need to plow snow or anything. Um, And so we were able to adapt the technology to that use case. And what that actually allowed us to do is to scale the technology platform that we were using. Up to that point, we acted more like a system integrator. But, but we decided at that point to invest in our own technologies that would allow us to manage these fleets because everything was always a subscription base. We weren't selling equipment. And then it was, it was up to the customer to keep it running. We were selling a service. And so we had to keep the service up and running. So it was in our best interest to build technologies to be able to do that cheaper. Um, and by doing that over the years, again, no investment money, but just hand to foot, you know, whenever we made money, we invested it back in the business that right. allowed us to build and scale the technology stack that we had. And as technologies continued to advance, especially in artificial intelligence with computer vision, it allowed us to apply those technologies to our solution. And that's what got us into the security device that we have now. And so in 2017, and this is 12 years after we started the company, that's when we started getting into the security market, and that's when our business just took off. Yeah, um, so much demand. And, yeah, and so that's when we saw that exponential growth—you know, that traditional hockey stick that you like to see in business—and and we grew from like 20 employees in let's say 2016 till now we're over 500 in 2023, and that's that just exciting. continues to grow. So what did you but learn through go- that
0: process of of growing that fast in terms of your headcount?
1: Yeah. Um, well, the the biggest thing we learned is it's it's a lot harder than you think to go from a founder's mindset into an enterprise scale business mindset, um, and 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 really the hardest thing is thinking about how scrappy you've been into now hiring top talent that can probably do it better than you can, and are you willing to spend the dollars to do that? Right. That's when, that's a huge. You're
0: used to bootstrapping. Yeah.
1: Yeah and and so it took us a couple i know it sounds weird but it took us a couple of years to get that mindset from scrappy to scaling and yeah. doing it right now unfortunately too i mean when you think about the employees that worked for you up to that point um you know, not a lot of people are jumping at the at the opportunity to go join a startup at that scale, right? right. Um, most people want to see that you've got a perfect product market fit, your revenues are very strong, and you're growing, and you're a nice building, and everything else. Before then, when you're working out of your garage, like nobody really cares, right. and so it's- the kind of talent that you can find at those levels is different than the kind of talent you can find later. They're
0: not the talent and- who are going to get you to the scale, and it's hard, right?
1: To- yeah. When you-
0: Kind of been a little family-oriented company, I would imagine.
1: Exactly. And, and so the challenge is how do you give, you want to give the opportunity for that growth for the existing employees that you have, but sometimes you're just going to outgrow them and you've got to be able to know when that happens um, because you're not doing them a service and you're not doing yourself a service if you're growing it at these, at these large scales and bringing them along and they're not able to keep up, if that makes sense. Um, and that's been a challenge too. Like, how do you develop talent and your employees when they are able to do that, or when they're not able to do that, while you're still trying to bring in top talent? So that was another big challenge. For us. So, yeah. do you have
0: any insights for somebody going through that of something you well, wish? Well,
1: it's it's very tempting to to put to put your human heart in front of what's needed for the business, and and I know it sounds callous. But it's tough to, you know, it's tough to say, to have those hard discussions with, with an employee who's not able to keep up um, when they when you need to have that. Because it's, I don't know if you remember the old movie Star Trek II, there, uh, when, when Spock is dying and, and he says, the, you know, the good of the many outweighs the good of the one. It's really kind of that scenario, right? If you're trying to put an all-star team together, you, you can't carry that one along that's just not keeping up. And so, yeah, you just got to remind yourself that, that the the good of the many outweigh the good of the one. And you've got to have those hard conversations as you're scaling. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that it was he- a real
0: mindset shift. How did you make that mindset shift? I mean, you're one of the founders, but and you said it took a couple of years. But what about it actually shifted your mindset?
1: Well, it's tempting to envision how you think your company is going to grow, right? And so, for me personally, what what I found was okay at this twenty to thirty percent growth rate. Yeah, I can develop talent over time. I can have that heart, and I can help them. But when you find that the business is growing a hundred percent plus for multiple years, and now you're outpacing that mindset that's where I pretty much needed a lot of my other co-founders to say, Hey, Steve, you can't operate this way anymore. So it was more like it was forced upon me than okay. me going, Oh yeah, I had this moment, but you know, and I guess that's the other thing too, is when you think about business and growth, having good partners that can kind of keep things in check as you're yeah. going, is absolutely key.
0: develop. Right.
1: Yeah. Right. And yeah. I would say that I've been, I've been very lucky. I mean, I, 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 I can't imagine building a business like this on my own. Um, it's lonely, right? And and especially with that level of growth, of the decisions you have to make are very difficult to make. But having three other partners that have been able to work with me and and having them be able to fill in in those areas of weakness that I have and vice versa have, has been really nice. I think, I think the other nice thing
0: that you really have to depend on your partners, and those the, yeah. those relationships are sometimes hard during times of change how did how did you all remain connected and supportive of each other during that time
1: no ego <laughs> yeah,
0: i think that's a very good insight <laughs>
1: yeah i mean uh, we we were lucky that all of us had had enough humility that we could that we knew where we were weak and we knew where we were strong and we could we could take advantage of those things but even during the difficult times um like we saw each other at our worst and, and we were able to respect each other. Right. And, and not, not have, not one partner didn't have a bigger head than the other. And, and again, that humility was, was able to, to, to really come through and pull us through. I'm, I'm, I've heard so many horror stories where as companies get bigger, your partnerships start to fragment because some people start getting this ego and this kind of elitist type attitude. And, and you can't have that. Um, you know, at any moment, and maybe that's the other thing too, is like some of us had been through different businesses before and we've seen them fail. And we know what that looks like and we don't want to have that. And I'll tell you, every day I wake up, I'm like, okay, is today the day when, our, when it's all going to implode like it did the last two times? At a business um, coach
0: who always said every business is 30 days yeah. from imploding. I mean, that's right. how much you have to pay attention.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I think that just brings a level of humility that you just, you, you respect where you're at and you appreciate it and, and you appreciate the people that are helping you, you get there. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really what's, that's what's kept my... me grounded. And I think others are, are the same way. I, I think our CEO is also like, he he's not a, a very flamboyant person, I would say he, he's just very rooted. And and it was his financial discipline, honestly, that got us to where we are today. Um, but that discipline, I, I don't think that really goes away when it's truly ingrained in you. And so that helps as well, right? He He kind of sets the stage for how we're all going to behave.
0: That's nice. That's great. Well, what an incredible story of you know, bootstrapping to scale, something that so many founders and CEOs are looking to do. If if there was one other thing that you could share, uh, what would it be about what took you from that place to where you are now?
1: Um, I like to talk a lot about culture. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of these cliche things that people always talk about. Culture is really important, whatever. But I don't think there's a lot of meat and potatoes to what that means. And I'm very passionate that, you know, culture has to start at the top with that ego problem. If you can, if you can squelch the ego at the top, especially the new leadership that you're bringing in, that flows down throughout the organization. And it's important that you don't have a culture where there's so much ego that you start backbiting and you actually start going to war with each other is kind of the cultures that I've experienced. Um, And, and it's so counterproductive to the business, um, People are more interested in their self-promotion right, than they are the outcome of the business itself. And again, it usually starts at the executive level, and then it moves into the next tier of leadership. And then that just flows down. And then next thing you know, you're backstabbing each other, and, and, and you're really just not getting through. So I would say that when you really think about what does culture mean, like what is happening in the business that helps everyone move forward productively, where everyone has the business's best interests at heart? And everyone's able to work collaboratively together um, to get there. And as soon as you have that culture where people are now backstabbing and they're they're withholding information so that they can be the ones who, who win, that's where the business just really starts to, to sputter um, and it yeah. no longer functions. So we, we focus really hard on that. And, and we would highly recommend that most businesses, especially as you get to that hockey stick scale, and things are going well that you watch that closely because as soon as you put the wrong people in the wrong leadership roles and, and the business starts hitting these struggle points, that's when it really starts to, to expose itself to you. And, and yeah. in some cases, it may and be a, too late.
0: executive team that has some emotional intelligence who is yeah. able to temper their ego because everyone has An ego. Uh, Somebody who's able to sort of put their own personal fears or whatever aside and do what's needed to collaborate and grow the business. Such an important insight. Steve, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I think your story is very inspiring. And just the comments about mindset and ego and how you need to think about those things in order to scale is so valuable for our listeners. So thank you for being on the podcast. podcast today. If one of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, how would they best do that?
1: Yeah, I don't have a big social marketing or social media presence, (laughs) but my email is easy. It says steve at lbt.com. I I read through all of them. So yeah, but yeah, thanks for having me on today.
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks, Steve, for being on. And for all of the rest of our listeners, we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the CEO and Founder Magic podcast. Thank you for listening to CEO and Founder Magic, the podcast for entrepreneurs with stories to tell about your success. If you felt like this podcast interview captured your story, would you share it on social media? It's easy. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your social account. Be sure to use hashtag CEO Founder Magic and tag anyone you think would be a great guest. I'd love to see your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to be sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe and we'll be excited to have you listen. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. And if you know of other business to business company CEOs who have compelling stories and who might like to be on this program as well, please visit keo.bz/book booktoday. That's keo.bz/book booktoday. And if you want to know more about our Fractional CMO program, just go to our website, do a, a search on services for Fractional CMO. Or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at KEO Marketing. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I'm Sheila Klufkorn, and it's been a pleasure having you on CEO and Founder Network.